Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, how are you doing on this Tuesday morning? I'm doing well. Glad to be back on a mailbag podcast. Uh, this was uh, not an uh, asked or answered uh, mailbag question here, but I would lead it off because I'll get one in. Um, surfing my news this morning, got done with my global news, moved on to sports news, um, and the Southland. Got into a big fight in the handshake line last night. And by big fight, if you Google it, they fought for like two minutes. Yeah, it's a brawl. Now we're back to the hot topic social media debates of do they need to ban handshake lines in college basketball? And this is a men and women's thing because we've seen women's fights in handshake lines. I know Southern Miss at yes. the end of their game the other night got into a big brawl. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, do you know where that took place? Do you know where Incarnate Word is? Uh, in Texas? Yep. Are you no, I, don't know. I don't know. The, I mean, I could guess the city. Um, Colleen. It is in downtown San Antonio. Oh. So um, I've been, yeah, I've been to that gym. It's very small. It's one of the worst gyms in all division one. It's basically a high school gym, but anyways, so, uh, yeah, not many people in, in attendance and yeah, they just went at it. I think, yeah, you, you just let the coaches be like, Hey coaches, y'all probably should, you know, just stay face, whatever, just shake hands. Even though we've seen like Jawan Howard, right. He got into it last year with, with a coach. So, um, I think, yeah, ideally, you, you just kind of leave it be maybe make it like the NBA where, you know, y'all can friends or whatever, want to trade jerseys after words or something. But other than that, yeah, we've, we've seen too much bickering and handshake. Like, and these people are like 20, 21, you know, at this point and uh, grown, grown adults at this point, we don't need it. It's not high school. I, just, I needed your take. You're, you watch a lot of high school, college, NBA, maybe the NBA way is the way to go. Coaches yeah. and assistants can shake hands. The rest of the guys can go to the locker room or they can go talk to somebody. Yeah, or y'all can, like I said, if y'all want to meet, you're, you had a, you had fun playing in summer 12, you go say, hey, good game, 12, something like that. That's yeah. a good question, though. Maybe, maybe Whoever you matched up with, you can go give them love. If not, then whatever. Exactly. Like in pickup, right? If yeah, someone's right. passing you, Yeah, someone's passing you the ball a lot or someone's playing good defense on you, but hey, good, good game. Go up to them. That's it. All right. Well, that was the first mailbag question. Now we'll get to the real ones by the paid subscribers. So on the Bengal Tiger, um, each week we've done it during the season. We'll get back to each week now. But uh, the subscribers on the board, Maddie B will post a thread. You get some questions in. And instead of just answering them right there, we'll go and debate them a little bit longer in podcast form. So Bengal Tiger still only a buck. Me and Billy talked about this, Maddie B, on last pod. But uh, we had a massive January in sign up. So shout out to everybody for that. And uh, February flying right by per usual. Uh, spring football is right around the corner. I imagine an impressive run. Yeah. Sorry. I lost that for a second. Um, we, what, baseball starting up, uh, women's basketball, uh, men's basketball is obviously going. Uh, honestly, men's basketball is playing better now than I think a lot of people expect them to after that win um they had over the weekend so yeah we'll see um we'll do also i want to mention we'll also do a um a spring preview spring ball preview podcast where we'll get into a little bit more depth of some of these questions relate to the spring but we'll get into more depth with 
you know, projected depth charts or whatever and uh, position battles and whatnot. We're going to do one offense, one defense. So oh, we have two weeks before that, so we'll we'll schedule that out and get into it. Just a little PSA there. Yeah, a lot of written content we're planning out too. So plenty coming to the Bengal Tiger. Uh, all right, you want to rock it? Let's do it. All right, Tiger Bait 72 squared, 72-72. Uh, any thoughts on the role that Harold Perkins, linebacker, may have in Blake Baker's defense? And then he asked about dusting crawfish. Um, I'll take that one first. The haters will say don't dust the crawfish. As long as the crawfish is well-seasoned and everything before, I don't mind a little dust after because then I've got it on my fingertips and I've got double spice edition. Mm. So if dusting it, if you're asking that in the – are you dusting it and not doing it on the front end before you boil? That's a no-no. If you'd like a little extra kick on the back end, I've got no qualms with it. And crawfish are too expensive right now. Nobody's eating them. That's that's what I've that's what I've gathered as well. Again, uh, it's only my what, I've been here for two and a half years now, so yes, we'll give you three. Like, third crawfish okay. season. We'll round up. Yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, your thoughts? We've kind of talked about this before, but. You've known enough about Blake Baker's defense. You saw him when he coached here uh, at linebacker and then what he did at Missouri. And you kind of did a comp of his best player that broke out at linebacker and then Perkins. What's your your thoughts on Harold Perkins, who let me preface this by saying Harold Perkins did two very different things as a freshman and sophomore, but his stats were basically almost equal. So Mm -hmm. it just felt less impactful. Yeah, because the expectations were, I mean, through the roof, obviously. Um, I, I said this before, and I might end up being wrong. Um, I very well could end, end up being wrong. But at this point, if I was in the position of Blake Baker, with the success that I had with Tyron Hopper, with um, obviously a different player, but Damone Clark obviously uh, also had success. The, the run of success he's had throughout his career with developing athletic linebackers and i go back to like you said i wrote a story on what he did with tyron harp hopper last year at missouri and i i looked at his film and i said why can't this be harold perkins now Whit weeks also checks that box right as an athletic you know kind of sideline sideline guy that can can also be a thumper at times but what hopper did and what i think perkins could do i think are very similar and so if you're blake baker and you have a reputation of getting the best from these linebackers developing them making guys who are good athletes into good linebackers why can't Harold Perkins transition to the inside now I think the most obvious rebuttal to that I mean there's a couple but the the one that stands out to me is you already have Whit Weeks and Greg Penn and like you don't really need Harold Perkins there but I just think his long term like if they can hit with Perkins at inside linebacker I like Greg Penn. Heck, I even I really like we like we really like Whit Weeks. Harold Perkins could be like an All SEC first team inside linebacker if you are able to tap into that side of him. Um, and honestly, because I think as a pass rusher he's good, but we, he might have like a little bit of a lower ceiling there because he's not as big, you know, right? He's not six four and with incredibly um, great tools in that respect. He's just an awesome like player so i would try him at inside linebacker especially during the spring and uh, let blake baker who i think is an elite linebackers coach uh or he's proven it and see what he can do with harold perkins at inside i would try him at inside linebacker 
And you don't think that cuts down on any ability to spy or blitz? So I don't think so because Tyron, uh, Tyron Hopper was was really aggressive last year for him. Uh, and they, they ran a pretty aggressive defense at Missouri last year. So as opposed to what we heard last year, right? We Last year we got all the lip talk where it was Matt House and Brian Kelly being like, we're going to you know play him inside, but it's not going to take away from anything he does. But then they played him inside and he was in pass coverage for 70% of snaps, right? Like it, we got lip service and we got lied to last year. Blake Baker, I think there is a track record of him with Clark and Hopper now over the past three years to where if if they can get Harold Perkins to play like that and even just play that style, I think that he's going to be more than aggressive enough to go make plays in the backfield. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Damone Clark had some like, what was this? I don't want to guess a number off the top of my head. Um, but it was something like what 15 TFLs, 23 and a half tackles for loss, and seven sacks. That was Damone Clark's um career number. And in his senior year alone, he had 15 tackles for loss and five and a half sacks. So, like Harold Perkins can do that in his sleep if you could put him in the right position. So uh that's why I think inside linebacker under Blake Baker is different than what it was under Matt House last year. Uh, speaking of Matt House, um, Zgoche51 asked, <clears throat> what type of scheme changes uh, on defense can we expect from Matt House to Blake Baker? I'll take the secondary part of this. There were so much discussion, Matty B, in the Matt House system of field and boundary corners. That's not how yeah. Corey Raymond will coach up his DBs. And that means exactly what it is. Your field corner is a guy who's got more of the field to cover. Your boundary corner has got a smaller amount of space, but also means he's got less. He probably does not have safety help. He's going to be more on an island, whatever it might be. Corey Raymond does not play it. It's a man-to-man look. It's no more of this where you see guys lined up 15 yards off the ball. It's in your face, recruits with long arm, corners with long arms who can turn and run. And he'll trust them to be – matched up wherever. So the boundary field thing won't be a discussion we'll have as much moving forward. Now, that being said, they ran a three down front, usually with a couple of linebackers, a stand up edge or four minute times with their hand in the dirt. Um, it was described as multiple um, by many. How would you describe Blake Baker's defense? What's the difference? Like just looking at it, the aesthetics are not going to be super different right there at the end of the day he still has like that jack-esque position like that outside linebacker that's mostly a defensive end um if you want to call it a four-two-five, you can three three five like schematically as far as looks it's not going to look that different i think a lot of the changes come from like you said i think the coverage of the corners and how aggressive you can be at corner um change up what Blake Baker can do with the linebackers. A lot of times under Matt House in the past two years, it's felt like the linebackers were kind of just there. It felt like um, Greg Penn was just there a lot. Micah Baskerville. Uh, it took a guy like Whit Weeks to kind of come in and just kind of run and chase the ball and make some plays. And we're like, oh, wow, that's kind of what a playmaking linebacker looks like. I expect the linebackers to have a bigger role uh, like I kind of just – uh, described at Missouri and we'll see how the defensive line shakes out. I know we have a question about that coming up, but um, overall, I just think it's a lot less, it's a lot less cushioned. It's a lot less like just reacting. And I think that Blake Baker's defense 
um, is more aggressive and it sets the tone just from what he's done at Missouri, which is a tremendous, tremendous job. Yeah, they had two top 30, 35 defenses in back-to-back seasons. Uh, it's been said many times, <clears throat> if LSU had a top 50 defense, 40 defense last year, they might have won a national championship. They were unstoppable on offense, but one of the worst defenses in the NCAA. Not the worst. That was North Texas, but one of the worst. Yeah, they are. North Speaking Texas. of, shout out Eric Gaines. I did watch the UAB North Texas game the other day. Yes. That UAB's got a squad. He, Gaines is like the third best player on that team, and it's a really good team. Yeah, and UAB also, uh, I saw a sequence with one minute within turning it on where Gaines inadvertently threw the ball when his teammate wasn't looking, got the steal, and then drove the lane and threw a no-look pass into the corner for a guy who hit a three just swish. So the highs and lows of Eric Gaines have carried on from Baton Rouge to Birmingham. Yes. Very Shout much. out Eric Gaines. Uh, who are the most likely candidates? <clears throat> this is third and 10, excuse me. Most likely candidates to flip from O-line to D-line for depth purposes. This is something Brian Kelly said could be an option if they need more depth on the D-line. Now, you could also move D-linemen around. You could push guys inside. This question is about O-line to D-line. Here's how I view this. How many guys returning on the team on the O-line would you even consider to be a D-line candidate? I don't look at any of them, really, and say – that guy would be better suited on the D-line. And what we're speaking to here is not a Jack linebacker, not a D. They, like, they're looking for DTs or nose tackles. So who could fit that bill? <clears throat> it's something Brian Kelly said in spring ball. We always say no math. This math will be simple. If you can add your cool. Two people who are linemen who enrolled and will actually be in spring ball as signees are Cohen Eccles and Joe Cryer. If I were to even put the entire O-line together, everyone, including guys who arrived this summer, including returning guys, I would probably put those two in that mix and maybe more so Cryer, who just plays with such a nasty element to his game that I could see him being a really good DT or center or offensive guard. Now, he was recruited as an O-lineman. He's Brad Davis's recruit. I'm not saying he's going to bounce around, but I'll answer the question. My pick would be Cryer because he's so nasty on film that he would just do that on D-line too. Yeah, I his fun, his film is really fun for those who haven't watched it yet. Um, what about Kimo Macchiole? That's the only one that I look at. And I'm like, maybe he like he hasn't gotten a lot of run in his career. Uh, maybe he's six four three ten. Like, could he just go and fill a gap, or just try to take on a block? And but again, I like I don't look at him. Like, even if he makes a transition over, which is an incredibly difficult transition to make, like he's not gonna be the difference, right? I feel like that's a like you're putting him on the death chart at defensive tackle, and you're immediately dropping him to like third. Uh, third unit at best, like Jalen Lee's above him, Jacoby and Guillory. We talked about, um, shown, uh, Washington coming over, like those Dominic McKinley, obviously, like there's four right there that I'm that you are obviously going to be over an offensive lineman moving to defensive line. So, I mean, I think they're considering it. Chemo is the only one that I can think of, uh, like you said, along with maybe one of the freshmen. The freshmen would be make more sense because they're not as indoctrinated as 
Kimo is on the offensive side of the ball. But like other than that, I'm not moving Paul Mabenga. I'm not moving. I'm definitely not moving Tyree Adams. And like other than that, I don't know who you, who even else you consider. Yeah, I mean, you're not moving borderline. You're not moving. Um, Borderline's not even big and like I mean, well, big. Borderline's tall enough, but I don't know if he's like you know why. Yeah, enough. and he looks like an offensive tackle. He, you know, yes. there's you've put time into that. There's no need to change right now. I was curious. Let me look up something real quick. I was curious, like we haven't heard much about Connor Gilbreth, but like I don't think he's moving to defensive line. No, it would be tight end to O tackle or a backup O tackle. Yeah, he's six five two seventy two. Like he's a tackle, if anything. So yeah. that doesn't like, or he's an offensive tackle. Sorry. And that was team. their long term plan for him when Mike Denbrock recruited him is let him be a blocking tight end, develop him into a potential tackle. Yeah. So it's an interesting thought exercise, but like <clears throat> it's not going to change anything unless if they have a rash of injuries or something happens yeah. and whatnot no you're talking depth pieces guys who are deeper on the depth chart on o-line and would then just help with d-line depth it's like fitzgerald west did this mm -hmm. it doesn't even really maybe change the overall scope of any conversation it's just giving you more depth on one side yeah exactly that's good it's, it's so, a good conversation though um Let's see. Next up is BG23 said spring spring pre-spring depth chart one two. That's going to be a difficult exercise to do. We'll do a whole podcast 40, on that. Yeah, we can do a whole podcast on that. But just to entertain it quickly, let's rapid fire pre-spring depth chart. So coming out on day one is usually vets. Just do the starters, yeah. <clears throat> so let's just do this. We can do this exercise easy on offense. Left tackle, Will Campbell. Left guard. Dellinger for I guess Dellinger was left Dellinger, guard. Dellinger, center, Chester. Uh, Ch center would be DJ Chester, who would be your one replacement. Charles Turner's gone. Right guard is Frazier, who returns, and right tackle is Emory Jones. So four or five starters are back, and the heir apparent was Charles what to Charles Turner at center was a freshman in DJ Chester. So yeah. that's done. Uh quarterback Garrett Nussmeyer. Running back, Caleb Jackson. Or Josh Williams, if I don't know how you yeah. determine who's Whoever. going to be first. But uh, wide receiver, um, Kyron Lacey. Then I'll be open to debate. Those are two yeah. open spots. Uh, I think CJ Daniels is opposite. 100%. So that's and one. And then, then after that, it's I think I have Xavier Thomas right now in the slot. Like that's the obvious to me. I've said it on this podcast before. Xavier Thomas to me is the Malik Neighbors replacement. CJ Daniels is the Brian Thomas replacement. I agree. Like that, that's how they play. So yeah, I would put Lacey on the outside, Daniels on the outside, and um Thomas in, in the slot. And then I think we'd agree that Chris Hilton is your other your fourth guy in this yeah. conversation. Yes. And he stayed healthy, which is awesome. So he's your fourth guy. Then we get to see these others, Shelton Samson, whomever else they want to kind of toss in there. Uh, but yes, that would be the starters. All right, uh defense. Um, this front seven might be a little easier than the secondary, but yeah. D line, we figure that how many are we going to name here? Four D linemen or three? Yeah, like with, it's Sa Savion Jones. You, we can do it the same as we did last year with like okay. an outside, like Swinston or whatnot, but Savion Jones at defensive end, defensive tackle is where it gets tough. But I mean, in theory, it's just Jacoby and Guillory and Jalen Lee at this moment. Probably those are your two returning tackles. Now they've signed Sean Washington, a Juco guy. As we said, if they feel the need, it does a Paris Shand or someone. 
I don't love the idea of Savion Jones moving inside because Savion Jones putting on weight to play D end already slowed him down. Like I don't yeah. want him putting on more weight. Yeah. Is it a pair of Shand? Is it someone like that? I don't know the answer. I think that's going to, that's obviously one of the most intriguing things about spring ball, summer, fall camp is what happens on the D line. Yeah. Um, and then we go to, I don't know if it'll be called a Jack specifically, or if it'll be a, just a D, another defensive end spot, regardless, Braden Swenson's probably my pick there. hundred uh, percent. I thought he had, had a really good year last year, uh, in his snaps. So I expect probably to outplayed the starter. Yeah. So Swenson there, and then, uh, two traditional linebackers. Um, and I do want to say quickly too, to the people who are not, and I'm, I love Savion Jones. I think he's going to have a better year than he had a year ago. But I also don't think they're going to keep Shand off the field very often. So there'll no. be ways that Bo Davis can get these guys involved, or or it'd be Kevin Peoples. Yeah, uh, linebacker, you pick between the three. I mean, like Perkins, we'll see what they do with Harold Perkins, but yeah. in theory, Perkins, Willie, uh, Greg Penn, like those are the three. You you figure it out from there. Yeah. Um, for two safeties, spots. a safety I think is easier. For the start of spring, Major Burns will be a safety, and then Andre Sam's not here anymore, and Jordan Gilbert is his replacement. That's why yes. they brought Jordan Gilbert in. Yes. So, yeah, corner. <laughs> Corners. J.K. Johnson. In theory, yeah. In theory, J.K. Johnson. Zy Alexander's not healthy. He will not be there. Deuce Chestnut and Denver left. So Sage. You've got Sage, who you don't know if you're moving to an – back to safety to and that's the toviano debate does toviano go back to safety yeah that, and we didn't even include uh, a nickel position which there should be this year and uh so it's javian toviano or sage ryan at nickel would be my i'd rather favorite. have sage at nickel than at that's corner fine. okay yeah so sage or toviano to me would be a starting nickel battle <laughs> to watch uh but would one of them be your starting corner like <laughs> There's too many working pieces here to really figure Jair it out. Jair Brown? If, yeah, I mean, you could throw them there, especially. It, they could spring. be two Ohio State kids. Wow. And I said before, it was what they started a couple games together in yeah. 20, was that 2021? 22? Yeah, like 21. Uh, Ashton Stamps has obviously got his name in that mix. So with a new corners, secondaries coach, but corners coaching Corey Raymond, I think we're going to see a lot of, like, They've already talked about moving Michael Turner, a wide receiver signing out of Curtis mm -hmm. to play on at corner because he's got elite speed. They feel like he can turn and run. So I think we're going to see a lot of different different options there. Uh, Ramos at kicker and Todd at punter. I get and I'd guess Todd at punter. Yeah. Bramlett. We've, we've waited to see and here it is. Yes, we have waited to see this. We've. Um, yeah, so there you go. And uh, punt returner. Uh, yeah, punt returner should should 1,000% be the person that they went to the transfer portal to get at punt returner, Xavion Thomas. Exactly. All right. And he honestly, he should be on kickoffs with Caleb Jackson. Yeah. He did a house at kickoff last year. Yeah. All right, there you go. That was there the you go, depth under um, five minutes. Shout out Nolafan. Nolafan33, what defensive position group do you think benefits the most from the coaching change? Due to their position coach, he said. Corner. I agree. Corner. <laughs> um, who do you, which do you follow under? McMama, there goes that man. McMaybe or McMah? This is obviously a Matt McMahon question. How has your outlook on the men's basketball program changed from last year to this year? I will 
you're a basketball guy. I'll just open it up by saying this. Scott Woodward, your AD, had said he considered last year a point where they had zero scholarship players because everybody hit the portal, that it was year zero. This is year one. In the mind of your AD, who is in charge of this, this is year one. So I'll allow this comparison from last year to this year, Matty B, but your thoughts on just the trajectory right now. Um, I think this year has gone about as well as I realistically thought it could go. Now, the non-conference was bothersome without Jalen Cook because, like, you lose to Nichols, right? You get well, they're a completely different team. Very different team. Um, you blown out by Syracuse, whatnot. When they added Jalen Cook, that initial spurt of energy, like that initial spurt where the offense was like clicking and uh, they beat AM on the road and whatnot, like that was what I think ideally McMahon thought this team's like ceiling could be. And since then, you know, Jalen Cook's dipped down a little bit. He's been injured on and off. Uh, they've battled through some injury. Uh, Damian Collins has been out, who I think's a big piece. Um, and but they're still right now on pace to win eight, maybe even get to nine conference wins. Like that's, that's a really, really good year. I said coming in, if they won seven games, that'd be a great year. And they're on pace for eight right now. Basketball is a game of uh, not inches, but the the rim can be kind or unkind. And at the end of games, things can happen. And look, yes, they have another win. If Jordan Wright is able to get that ball in against Florida, but, I understand that that happens in a lot of games where you could have another loss or something, but you I mean, would just discuss- Georgia his, against Georgia. His three pointer almost went in. And that was a great play setup uh, where they got it all the way down to him in the corner. He got a good look and it rims out. So uh, both those games on the road too, very tough road games. Um, your opinion would be that it's on an upward trajectory. Let me ask this. This gets debated in our live threads. I think Matt McMahon, from my vantage point, is an excellent coach. Mm-hmm. You agree that, I mean, people in live threads who have complained about McMahon have jumped into his defense and said this team would have lost two to three more games if it weren't for him and his ability to coach them through it. Yeah, I think he's, I've said it before, I think tangibly, like as X's and O's and everything goes, I think he does a great job preparing this team. And a lot of times when you play, Alabama, Tennessee, you know, Auburn's on the road, especially they just kind of overwhelm this LSU team because especially without Jalen Cook, there's not enough talent, like just pure talent on this team to win games or at least be competitive with those teams. But to go on the road and beat South Carolina without Jalen Cook and to win with we're going to I'm going to look back on the season and say he won these games with Trey Hannibal, Derek Fallon, like. Will Baker, guys who are fine players, but ha- clearly have like limitations and flaws. And so for McMahon to be getting, again, have this team at five and seven with, in theory, the next six games, if there's like, there's a way he could go four and two, which would get to him to nine and nine. Um, I just think it speaks to him as a coach. Like with the recruiting, the transfer portal recruiting, especially, is going to have to be really good this coming year. All right. Um, we won't. Yeah, we won't spend forever on that, but let's point out that he has two top 60 players signed right yes. now. Those were his two November signees, and both top 10 at their position. Robert Miller is a uh, consensus top 10 power forward coming out of Houston, and then Curtis Givens, a consensus 
well, he's the number 10, um, ranked as high as eight, but a uh, point guard, a top 10 point guard coming out of Memphis. So yeah. a top 10 power forward, a top 10 point guard are joining the team. We'll see what they do in the portal. Those are great starts. Like you have, no, you're not going to go out there and get two of the top 10 players in the country right now, but getting two of the top 60 is a solid run. We'll see what they do in the portal. Let me ask you this as we wrap up. Two years, who was the best portal player he got? Was it KJ Williams or is it someone on this team? Yeah. Probably, is it Jordan Wright? Is it? It's either, it's probably KJ Williams. It's either KJ Williams, Jalen Cook, or Jordan Wright. I'd take KJ Williams probably. That's an all SEC second team guy there. I'd shout out to Jordan Wright though. I'm not sure where they'd be this year without Jordan Wright too. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, we will see what the uh, the portal holds for these guys. And then they've got some guys at the end of the bench, Matty B, who we debated it early. Where are they going to play? Where are they going to redshirt? What's the plan that are talented players? So we'll see how this develops. Yeah. Uh, but we got our uh, we got our questions in there on basketball. Uh, AZ Tiger fan, heard any updates on Kamori and Pimpton, hoping he can make an impact this year, especially with us not running as much as JD5. He brings up a great point. JD5, I've said this many times, JD5 didn't need Mason Taylor in the passing game. Mason Taylor's routes were often checkdowns, whatever, and Jaden could just run for that. When Nuss got in the game, what, Mason Taylor had 80-something yards against Wisconsin, so mm -hmm. his biggest game of the year. You're going to be relying on tight ends again. Camorian Pimpton yeah. did not play much as a freshman, but he is a 6'6.5", 240-pounder who now has a year in the program. The buzz I've heard around him is that he's just freaky. Now, I think that everyone coaching-wise is waiting to see, let's get back into spring ball, put him in live action and see what he looks like because we don't want to sit here and crown him and say he's going to be a complete game changer or whatever. But between him and Tradez Green, who's also six six and a half, they have two guys who can catch the football and are complete mismatches in the tight end game. Yeah, I, I think I, I wrote about this what, like two days ago, something like that. Uh, and I basically said, I mean, Pimpton and Green set the ceiling for this team in 2024. This is going to be a really good offense. I think that they have a high floor. Like Nuss, my, the proven talent you have on this team, especially, I mean, four returning offensive linemen, setting a foundation. Uh, I think Nussmeyer is going to be at the very least a capable quarterback, getting the ball to some good receivers. And they have good running backs. So I think the floor is high. The question comes in, can you find those game changers at tight end in Pimpton and Green, who could be flanked out in the slot or play at receiver some, but how well they can utilize them and how well they are prepared to play in the next seven months, I think determines the ceiling for this offense. Like, can it be another top five offense? I think the only way that they can get there is if Pimpton and Green or Pimpton and or Green make some plays. They don't have to be all conference level. They just need to be make some plays and have the defense have to account for them. So um I have high hopes for Pimpton. Uh, I think him and or Green need to be really good for this team at 24. And they've got Mac Markway, they've got Mason Taylor now as a junior. So there's yeah. room for these guys to develop and not have to be thrust into it. But yeah. I I'm eager to see how. Without Green there this spring, how does Pimpton look? And um, we'll report back. Like I said, anybody I've asked has said, I want to see it in the spring. You, him running around is freaky. Let's see it with some pads on now that he's had a year in the program. 
Uh, Jiminy Cricket 7, uh, with this year's schedule, how many wins does LSU need to make the college football playoff? I've said that I believe a, a SEC team who's good and has the respect of the committee and doesn't just get boat raced in two losses can go 10-2 and two and not make the SEC championship and get in. I think 10 and 2. 10 and 2 is an automatic fl- like almost an automatic bid to me if you get go to 10 and 2 because Ole Miss, right, finished 10 and 2 this year. Um I think uh what Missouri was 10 and 2 as well this year if I'm not mistaken. Those both those teams both got in. Penn State. So like I think if you go 10 and 2 you're in pretty much if you're in the Big 10 or if you're in the SEC. Uh the question to me comes if you're 9 and 3 and I don't know because we haven't seen the new landscape of college football where it is pretty much just two power conferences. Like, does nine and three hold enough weight? Um, considering LSU also plays UCLA and USC, I don't think UCLA will be that good this year, but USC should be decent at the very least, maybe French top 25. So, I don't know. Nine and three is the interesting one to me. I think 10 and two gets you in pretty comfortably. He had another question. Did OJ do it? Um, this will be a spoiler alert. Uh, 28 years ago, they did decide in a courtroom that OJ did not do it. Matty B wasn't even alive for that. But um, I watched the documentary. I'm when that sorry. Was, remember when the Cricket documentary was, to, was a big deal? In, uh, there was a 20, couple docs. 2014, 2013, I think it was. Yeah, there's been a number of docs. So you're caught up. But yes, uh, spoiler alert to Jiminy Cricket. He did not. They, they they had a ruling, so I'll stick with Judge Ito there. Uh, I am Colby. Oh, here we go. Better facial hair. Hayden Travinsky or Aloha? Now, I'm hoping I'm saying Aloha. I'm saying Uyoa, that, right? Uyoa, Uyoa. 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 So for those that don't know Uyoa, who would be the new name to this, Travinsky was the one who made all the T-shirts last year, the catcher that's got the mustache. Uyoa, Uyoa, he's got the mustache. But it's the Raleigh fingers one that, you know, it's starting to come up a bit to do the yes. sort of spin. Here, I'll get an image the, up. The circular uh, one. So that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with just a a really solid Travinsky proven thick Here, mustache. I got a picture. I can share my screen. Okay, if you're watching on YouTube, then in, and if you're listening on a podcast, you've got to continue to use your imagination and listen to my words. And Aloha's got the uh, Uyoa's got the one. Yeah, see, see, it's coming up a bit there. It's it's the Raleigh fingers type. Yes, and Not this was probably thick. like two months ago. More picture. of a wispy look, but he's going for it, and and he's definitely got it coming up. Uh, Travinsky, you're just getting the here. Let me get Travinsky up. The hardcore yeah. mustache, you know. Yes, Tra- Travinsky very much, just the kind of the. Yeah, and if you're talking hair. more facial hair, Travinsky does the soul patch kind, and the Ayoa kid, he soul does just the kind. chin, uh, <laughs> and everything else is shaven. But they asked about mustaches. I'm going with Travinsky. I mean, the man's already got shirts, and it looks like the mustache of a catcher who's been growing it in for some time now. Specifically, mustache. I'm going with Uyola. I just think that that one requires a bit of tending to. Sure, that yeah, that's got some oil in it. That's got a little bit of everything. I also think that he's doing it for laughs, which I appreciate. That's cool. 
I take it Travinsky's a little more probably dead serious about this at this point. And he's all in. They had the shirts. He can't not have it now. So Yes, yes. Overall facial hair, I, I agree. Travinsky. Mustache, I'm going to you off. All right. Uh, which football in early enrollee are you most excited to see during the spring? It's from J87. That's just one name right there, Matty B. Who are you most excited to see during the spring? Who am I most excited to see during the spring? I didn't think about that for a second. Uh, I, I have to remember who's early enrolling and who's not. Durham's not. Green's not, right? Um, Correct on both of those. My I mean, let me get the list up. Who, do, if All you right, have I'll, one off the top of your head, go ahead. Yeah, I'll give you mine in the meantime. Uh, I'm going Gabe Relaford. I was going to ask if Relaford was early. I thought he was. That's probably the I mean, one, yeah. They had him clocked at running 20-something miles an hour. I've seen him do it in back-to-back years at Evangel. If he can use this spring and then summer – to really reach, you know, get his body in shape, get cardio in shape, everything you need to do, I think you could tap into him for some playing time. I mean, Billiot's early enrollee, right? Uh, Billiot is not an early enrollee. So I'll give you the early enrollees, or that we at least we have marked. Cryer, Bro, Kyrie Lee, Woodland, Sean Washington, Devon Keys, Cobbins, Hurley, Callaway, Joel Rogers, Eccles, Relaford, Tylen Singleton, and McBride. Mm, there's a couple there that I'm really, really interested. Woodland being one, but I think he'll there take you go. I, like, I like that. But I, I think I had Woodland like 12th in my, in my uh, recruiting list, which was really high. But I just kind of believe in him as a as a player. Um, what was the other one I was looking at? Sean Washington. I liked Collage Cobbins. You said Cobbins, right? Yep, Cobbins is on there. I think Cobbins is interesting, but he's going to, like, for all these guys, and this is a class that I think has a lot of quality on it, but at the same time, like, the middle to, like, maybe bottom of the class is a lot of, we'll we'll see, like, in, like, 25 and 26 more so. Um, but it's still good to get eyes on on them nonetheless. But like guys like Collage Cobbins, Devon Keys, PJ Woodland, like all of them need some time. But I still like them, uh, and I'll be excited to see them. Is Watkins isn't coming in the spring? Did you say his name? Right? No, uh, I do not believe. I think he's only signed because he's running. No, he's not because he's running. Yeah, track. He's running. He's running track. Yeah, that's what I figured. Number one in outdoor season right now in the country. So so it's or, excuse a- me, indoor. Yeah, that's an interesting list. Gabe Relifer is probably the right answer, though. All right. Um, and I picked my answer based off of a position where I think guys are needed. So, yeah, I'll go Relaford. Um, let's see. Uh, Rob Stark, who's the next recruit to commit to LSU? I'll answer quick. I think it could be in-state, maybe James Simon, if they could get him to pop. With, he doesn't have any decision date set. Out of state, I would pick Micah DeBose. Number one interior O-lineman, one-time Georgia commitment. Uh, L Rob nine, seven, eight, uh, Maddie B any update on how the staff feels about Sarah strong or maybe even any Juco players, uh, for this class. And mind you last year, Poe was a Juco player. So yep. any buzz out there, I know you've written up plenty of notes. They've gone to see people play, but the Sarah strong debate goes on any cliff note you've got there. And then if Juco could be an option. 
Yeah, and for those who aren't up to date on women's basketball recruiting, Sarah Strong, the number one player in the 2024 class, uh, there was initially believed that she would sign in the early signing period, which was November. Uh, that did not happen. Uh, and since then, it's been a roller coaster of emotions for every coaching staff involved and everyone across the country because she's really the only top player that's uncommitted right now so or unsigned. Um, LSU is very much in the mix there. UConn is very much in the mix. She's visited a ton of schools, South Carolina, UCLA, Oregon, or uh, all those places. So I think LSU is still right there. I'll continue to have updates uh, when, when they come in, but um, I still think it's going to be another month or so before she signs anywhere. So we're not. And for reference, she's a, she's a center. Uh, yeah, she's like a six. She's like a Ford. It's like a Ford, 6'2", 6'2", can shoot. Incredible player. If she comes, like, if wherever she goes, she's going to be one of the best players in the country in a couple years. So uh, we'll see. But I think they're in a good spot. Signing day for all the sports that aren't football. Yeah, yeah, it's April 10th or something. Whatever it is, yeah. Uh, Could Juco be an option? Yes, um, Juco is definitely an option. They looked at a 2025 um which is for if y'all read the notes it's kind of i've mentioned a few times but uh they were trying to get her to 24 but don't think it's gonna happen so i but uh, juco is definitely an option for them um this year but it's gonna be portal if if van lith and reese leave so we'll see um d tiger asked about the starting dts and outside corners um, which we talked about kind of already going through the depth chart, but he does add a caveat here. Or are they even on roster? I think that or they are, are they even on roster yet part could apply to the DTs more than it would apply to corners. I think your corners are probably on roster. I'm not, I'm not convinced your interior defensive linemen are on roster. Is there, here's a question. Like what percentage chance do you think it is that McKinley could start at defense tackle week one? I mean, I don't, I don't, that's a tough, position to do for a true freshman it is it is i'm just curious i just they're in such I mean, a you've got guillory you've got washington who has played at georgia and at juco so i mean he's at least older and you've got jalen lee and then you have whomever you can get out of the portal which they will be getting someone out of the portal so he would have to beat out a number of people yeah i just i would hope the goal is that he can play some as a freshman yes yes um, your favorite barbecue. Oh, and then he said outside corner. We kind of already answered that. It could be both Ohio state guys could be stamps. Are they going to move Sage and Toviano around? I think that's the hope back to nickel or safety, uh, where they naturally fit. Um, or is it someone else? Someone surprises us. We'll see. Uh, D tiger though asked who is your, what's your favorite barbecue meat? But he says in Texas, there's only one option. So he doesn't need Billy's answer. I guess he wouldn't need yours either. Matty B. What is the only option? Uh, my- Mine's brisket, so. All right. Well, I guess that'd be the only option. I will choose pulled pork. I'm a big pulled pork fan. Pulled pork sandwiches. And if ribs count, then ribs. But pull, Okay. I'll, if if ribs count, that's. If ribs count here, but if not, then I'll, I'll go pulled pork. Over it should brisket. count, I think. Well, I don't know if it's technically the meat, but I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I'm going brisket. So. Um. A follow-up here uh, from Chrissy, a first-time asker. Shout-out to Chrissy. Uh, she said, and this one goes to you, Maddie B., any chance uh, Kim Mulkey adds at least one more person to the 24 class? I think she. I think they asked uh, McMahon 
No, CMM. Oh, CMM. Oh, 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 I thought I, I thought I said a CKM. Uh, yeah. Matt McMahon. Okay, Matt so McMahon. they've signed two top 60 players. Do they add anyone else? And I guess by recruiting class, Chrissy does not mean the portal. Yes. Um, I do think there's a chance. I'm working on something to get us uh, some some recruiting notes out so i will see in, in the i didn't know where day. that was going i'm working on something i've got a guy that i'm training that i'm that i think <laughs> matt might offer here soon we'll see hey man come check out our au basketball team we got some we got some guys over there matt come check uh, us out granted they're um seventh graders eighth ninth graders graders, but... ninth graders ninth graders so just give them a few years Give him a few years. Maddie be able to have all the scoop then when the red storm uh, start rolling through to become prospects. Exactly. Um, so you say yes, that or maybe. I think there's a chance, yeah. I think there's a chance. Okay. So it may not be done yet. Uh, MN Tiger, uh, what does a running room look like if Trey Holly can't return? What would look like Josh Williams, Caleb Jackson, um, Caden Durham, and that's and it, that's right? It. Josh Williams, Caleb that Jackson, Caden Durham. And Harold Perkins. And one more. I mean, you can't get by with three. They were attempting to get by with four, unless we're missing anyone. No, I, that's why I joke. I said I said Harold Perkins. Yeah, Harold Perkins. I, oh, gosh. Did get that goal line run in. Joe Sloan, the Law Tech staff, they love that look at the goal line. So maybe he'll get some of those. But um, I would think, Matt, the answer to this question is if Trey Holly is – at any point, and he's currently suspended. If at any point he's not on the team, you have to take another running back. Yeah, no, no questions asked. I mean, you have to um, get a portal running back, whether that is. And Noah Kane is like fine, but like go add another Noah Kane. Like that's that's fine. One year of eligibility, two year of eligibility. That's perfectly fine. You just need a guy to fill out the roster. Somebody who can get you six to seven touches a game and average three to four yards. Exactly. That's what a few of these guys have done in recent years. Um, how many portal additions do you think LSU may take? What positions is from Love the Tigers 43? So they already have five. I said they would end up between five and 10. I could see them leaving post spring with three more guys. I think they take at least one defensive lineman, if not two. Then if somebody else pops up at I don't, they have like 20 DBs on the team, but if someone pops up and you got to go get them, you then add them. If another player from Louisiana or whatever pops up and you're like, well, he would be nice. So I could see it being around eight total. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't have too much to add to that. I think you could see like three more additions. We already talked about defensive tackle. You mentioned corner potentially, refine a receiver, running back we talked about potentially. I don't think they would take an offensive lineman for depth. Um, maybe they would. Maybe you take it like a Mason Lunsford who you lost. You find a player of that elk who could maybe give you some depth because they have depth, but it's young, I think, for the most part, uh, whether it's Bordelon. Um, I mean, I already mentioned chemo, <laughs> but uh, like that group, I don't know. Um, but other than that, I think they're fine. Uh, we got two more here, um, Matty B. Uh, one from Grape Swisha. The highest ceiling, lowest floor for is it highest ceiling, lowest floor for BK given depth concerns on the D line? So I guess what he means here is, could the disparity between wins and losses be the most we've seen in the three year BK era? And it's set at Vegas at nine and a half. 
But he says because of given depth concerns on the D-line, I actually yeah. don't – if you want the answer to this question to be yes or you think it's yes, I don't think it has to do anything with D-line at all. I think it has to do with Jaden Daniels isn't your quarterback. Yeah. Um, the first year was definitely the biggest – like we didn't, we had no idea what the ceiling or the floor was for this team with all the new pieces. Like they made it perfect. to Atlanta in a year. We thought they might win like six games. Yeah. They legitimately hit their ceiling year one winning 10 games. Uh, I mean, even if you just say the regular season, they went nine and three, um, nine and three is pretty much the ceiling for what that year could have been. And their Vegas total was six and a half. And I remember betting the over on that, but being like, there is a way where they could go under six and a half because we just don't know. So no, it's not the biggest disparity between the floor and ceiling. Um, I think last year we knew pretty much like what the floor, like last year. Yeah. It was like, we knew what that team was pretty much. And we knew like, if everything goes right, they could be back in Atlanta and playing for an SC title game. Uh, but like, the floor was not very low at all because we knew that what they had returning. We knew the talent with Malik and Brian Thomas and Jane Daniels. So um, I think there's more question marks this year than last year, but you know, two years ago there, we had no idea what that team was. I agree. And I think, and I, and not, it's a not a knock on Garrett, but it's just the reality of, we saw Jaden, yeah. the Missouri game, the Florida game, like Jaden, won them football games last year that they might have lost. So can Garrett do the same? And that's often falls on the shoulders of a quarterback. It's just how it goes. Um, so even that being said, I would still put year one. Uh, and then the final one, misled alarm, who you narrowed down um, from 35 questions. He was trying to, to give three. us six, Shay. He was trying to give us six questions. I had to draw a line somewhere. Okay. Well, we're going to try to make it under an hour here, and that means we're spending less than 10 minutes on misled alarms, uh, three questions. But he went with. Thoughts on A.J. Swan and the overall quarterback room outside of Nussmeyer. So they bring in a starter from Vanderbilt back-to-back -back year. Me, that I guess you can dive deeper if you'd like. My thoughts on A.J. Swan right now are exactly that. He's a guy who played on the worst team in the SEC, but he got valuable experience out of it. He's got some good throws on film, and he provides competition, yes, but also a true insurance policy to Nussmeyer given – if it ain't Nesmar, you're playing Ricky Collins, who played one game or what, two or three, one, two games last year, yeah. and Colin Hurley, who is 16 when he got here in January and has never played. He only played three years of high school, let alone skipping his senior year. So I, that's kind of until I see AJ Swan third around in the spring, I haven't seen him throw it in person here. I know he's a big kid, but my thoughts are he is. Given what you're doing, what quarterbacks do with NIL and the portal now, that's about as good as you were going to get. Yeah. They weren't um, promising anyone a starting job. So if you're getting down to the next level of guys, Swan's about as good as it'll get. For sure. Um, yeah, I think the addition of Swan, kind of going back to our point about floor ceiling or the question about that rather, I think he just, you know, it raises the floor because if Nussmeyer misses time, then you have a backup that you trust a lot more. And, you know, like you said, Hurley and Collins are obviously very young. Uh, they'll need some time to develop. Last year, another reason why they had a really high floor to me was because they did have Nussmeyer as their backup quarterback. So if Daniels did miss time, Nussmeyer was able to come in and uh, be a capable guy. So that's all you're doing. 
is you're raising that AJ Swan is not going to be, he's he, obviously he doesn't raise the ceiling of this team. The ceiling is determined by how good Garrett Nussmeyer is, but AJ Swan is there as an insurance policy. And you love that. I think he's a good player. We'll have to see him in the spring and how he looks. I asked about our opinions on Miles Frazier and Garrett Dellinger. Now that they've been starting for a full season, these are your two starting guards. Um, they went wire to wire as starters, but they'd both started before that too. And one thing I like about them, they've started at multiple positions. Now they've settled in at their two guard spots, but between versatility and then proven production, I'm good. I don't, I don't think about them ever, which is a great thing because that means that they get the job done. Yeah. Uh, probably two of the more underrated players on the entire roster like in the entire 85-man roster from last year and this year, uh, Frazier and Dellinger, just rock solid. There was talk about, obviously, Miles Frazier finding a way to get him off the field, to get Lance Hurd on the field, and I think the biggest compliment to him is the fact Zalens Hurd transferred. <laughs> yeah, he that he never left the field and Hurd's gone. Yeah, like that's literally the biggest compliment to Miles Frazier is you have a – LSU has a five-star guy in Lance Hurd where they are trying to get on the field going into the season. And they're just so damn solid up front that they're like, sorry, man. And, em- and Emory Jones. Yeah, right what do you want me? Yeah, Emory Jones, obviously. Like, Jones, Campbell, those two guys are great. But, like, Frazier and Dellinger are over here locking down the guard spots, and there's no reason to change anything. And nope. as a result, you have one of the best offensive lines in the country, one of the best offense or the best offense in the country, and they are at the heart of that. There you go. Uh, last question. Thoughts on Jake Olson? He's LSU's new safety coach and the youngest coach of the 10-man ten man on-field staff and expectations for the safety room. So um, I'll answer this on the Olson part. I've talked to a lot of people because he's not from Louisiana, but this is like his fourth coaching stop in Louisiana, uh, including a brief stint at LSU. One, everybody that I've talked to loves him and said he's going to be great, that players love playing for him youthful energetic knows the game the second part is he took Blake Baker took him from LSU up to Missouri he was his right-hand man for two years and when Blake Baker got the job as linebackers coach he hopped in the car and drove down here Jake Olson and he said I'll get you a job it'll be an analyst at worst it'll be on field at best and he's the safeties coach Corey Raymond oversees the secondary Blake Baker is an excellent I mean people Think about Blake Baker and they think, oh, he coaches linebackers. He coached safeties at Missouri. He's an excellent safeties coach. So you've got his mind there. You've got a young guy in Jake Olson. And then you've got Corey who's proven it and certainly knows a formula for guys you like and what you're looking for that project to college and the NFL. So I feel very good about Jake Olson. I don't want to call it safety nets, but being surrounded by mentors or whatever, like Blake Baker and Corey Raymond is a good thing. And I think he's going to be eager to prove that he belongs and deserves this job. So he's going to work hard on the trail. Um, I like it. I'm all for it. Uh, You can take the second part because I think we discussed it. Major Burns and Jordan Gilbert will likely be your spring day one starters. But it comes with this small, not small, but this caveat of knowing a bit of an unknown of can Toviano, Sage Ryan, some of these guys who could be starting and did last year move away from corner and back to safety. They're in more natural position. 
Yeah, one of this is one of the toughest spots. I mean, Bo Davis probably has the toughest job over the offseason, but uh, Olsen's right up there at the safety spot. Uh, not only because sure, uh, and Corey at corners. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Corey at corners too. What a it's gonna be. A, it's gonna be a re- rebuilding process for sure. Um, but yeah, Major Burns not only like I think he can. He's obviously. He, there's a lot of room to improve there, but I think he will improve. But like Olsen's going to have to work with him to where you have to get the best version of Major Burns out there next year if this defense is going to take a step forward. You have to get uh, Jarden Gilbert to play like he did two years ago. Um, obviously missed last year, and I thought he was pretty good two years ago. Um, so you start with those two, and then you work your way back. Ky- Kylan Jackson, a guy who we yes, love. Yes, Kylan Jackson. Uh, we loved him out of high school. And so can you get him – right to where he was on and off with with health last year um we'll see like ryan yates it was ryan yates and jordan allen splitting time really yep. or ryan yates taking the early part jordan allen taking the late part when they did have toviano and ryan at corner yeah so so expectations wise i don't go into this year saying he's you know he needs to turn them into a top half safety position like in in the conference i don't know if that's realistic i don't know at this moment if you told me burns and gilbert are the two starters like i don't think that's a high level starting tandem at this moment we'll see how the offseason goes but there's it's it's gonna be a process it's gonna be a process for this whole defense right dave like we said davis and raymond and Olsen, like all these guys have a lot of work on their hands. And this will come down to coaching too, because ability is there. These are two kids. Burns and Gilbert are two Baton Rouge kids who were four stars in nationally ranked safeties who are very good high school players who you said, if you looked up four years down the road and those were your two starting safeties, you'd be like, great. Like, and they both got experience. I'll take it. And yes, I think LSU fans have seen so much of Burns that they can remember bad times. All right, don't remember then when he picked it off against Missouri and sealed that game and they didn't lose it uh, and give up an 80-yard drive to Cook at the end of the game. Yeah. He's made plays. He's got to be coached better. And Brian Kelly fired an entire defensive staff. Some part of that has to be, I want guys who can coach these guys up better. And for what it's worth, I actually like Jordan Gilbert's freshman year at AM a lot. And even the first game of the season this past year, I thought he was pretty good. So, like, I he can play. Um, you know, we'll see how Jake Olson coaches. We'll see how he develops. That's it. We made it. Under an hour. Let's get out of here. Under an hour um, on a Tuesday morning. Take us from 10 to 11 here. Um, yeah, thank you all for joining us. Uh, leave a like, comment, share, subscribe to the YouTube if you haven't already. Subscribe to the Bengal Tiger on three. One dollar for one month. Um, we appreciate all the subscribers who sent in questions. Um, even the ones that sent in six questions and we had to cut it to three. Sorry, Miss still love you. Um, but yeah, thank you all for joining us and we'll be back. uh, I'm assuming, I think what you and Billy will do. Yeah, Billy and I'll have a recruiting pod this week. So check back for that. Yeah. So check back for that until then we will talk to y'all later.